Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Drake. On this podcast, I speak with interesting people in pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic medicine. I read an article in the Pathologist magazine recently, and it was about the intersection of pathology and psychiatry, and I found it very thought-provoking. So today, my guest is the author of that article, Dr. Saida Kasim. We're going to talk about some of the ways that Dr. Kasim thinks that pathology and psychiatry can collaborate, and then we'll also talk about her time as an instructor at the Ontario IMG School. Then after the show, I've got a preview of my interview with Dana Baker. But right now, here's Dr. Saida Kasim. Let's start at the beginning for you. You're from Pakistan. At, yes, I am. Right. And and you that's where you went to medical school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what inspired you to pursue a career in medicine? So uh, my my pathway towards medicine kind of starts way before that. Um, I did do my high school in Pakistan, but before that, I spent quite some time of my childhood in uh, in the U.S. Uh, oh, okay. My middle school and high school education was in the tri-state area, uh, like around the East Coast. So I I got uh, like a wonderful chance to interact with the community during that time. I used to do a lot of volunteering at rehabilitation centers. And that patient interaction kind of started my journey in medicine. I realized how gratifying it is to help people and kind of play my part in in that role. And that kind of got continued. Um, I, I, we went back uh, to Pakistan where I uh, started my, uh, my journey in medicine. And that was also one of the things that was uh, kind of contributing towards that was that my family did not have any, like there were no doctors in the family. Oh, okay. So I know normally it's like there are doctors and that's what kind of motivates people to go into medicine. But for me, I think it was that not having someone in the family was more of an inspiration. And it kind of was something that my whole family was really excited about. I was the like the first person in the family to become one. And um, I mean, I used to love coming home and share, like telling my mother and all of my family how how gratifying I find working as a doctor and I, how gratifying I find that experience. So that kind of contributed towards it. And uh, overall, in Pakistan, we have a, a very respected role. I mean, I know that's all across the globe, but more so in our country, I felt that the respect that was associated with being a doctor was was amazing. I mean, the, the amount of, again, it's the gratitude I used to get was wonderful and helping people out was kind of what, what motivated me out. Mm-hmm. Okay. that That's interesting that, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, the motivation is there was a family member that was a doctor or something like that. So it's interesting that you have completely the opposite of that. And yet your family was... Uh, totally supportive of that. That's that's really nice. Mm-hmm. When you first started, had you wanted to go into pathology from the beginning? Well, my my interest in pathology kind of gradually developed over the years. Um, I mean, I, I used to love dissection. I used to love anatomy. I remember going in the first day of my medical school, I was we, we had to go to the cadaver lab. And to the disbelief of my friends, I was the first one who was volunteering to come out and like start dissection, getting to know about the anatomy of different organs. So that was, I think that that was kind of like the starting point. And moving on, we started studying pathology around our third year of medical school. And I loved how I could kind of correlate the medical diseases and the conditions we saw in the wards to what I could actually see under the microscope. Mm -hmm. And making that correlation, that was amazing to me. 
getting to have a piece of tissue and help patient diagnosis at that level. I mean, I was in awe at that time, and I'm still blown away by the amount of work pathologists can do in terms of patient care. Right. Yeah, definitely. So you went to King Edward Medical University in Pakistan. Going into medical school, were there any expectations you had of what it was going to be like, and was it different than how it actually was? Well, um, it's um, in Pakistan, becoming um, like going into medicine is something that is considered to be something that's very difficult. And okay. I did, ha- I, I was aware that it's going to be, it's going to be a very like hard journey in terms of um, studying and in terms of rigorous schedules. Um, and I was aware of that. And when that came came by, I mean, I, I felt I was kind of prepared for it. Even though like uh, the continuous hours of studying, I mean, staying up for like many nights and studying for an exam, it took time to kind of get used to it, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed uh, the fact mm-hmm. that uh, during our third year, we started to go into the hospitals, kind of getting to see patients and correlating what we had learned in our books to what we actually saw. So that made the experience much more fascinating. Okay, that makes sense. And then after that, you worked for a while as a, still in Pakistan, you worked as a pathologist assistant and then as a teacher. Now, I'm a pathologist assistant here in the U.S. I'm curious how the field is different between the two countries. Right. Uh, so, I mean, the basics are are technically the same um, in terms of our duties, in terms of what we had to do. But I, I believe that the the biggest learning um, the biggest learning curve for me in Pakistan was the fact that we did not have as many resources, and um, the resource limitation kind of led to um, led us to kind of think out of the box. Um, and that kind of stimulated everyone's minds to kind of um, have different things up our sleeves to help in patient care. Um, and that would be in terms of the stains we had, in terms of the equipment we had, and definitely having a, um, a broad range of cases. And then um, the personnel were also limited. So that puts kind of more of a load on every every single person. But I believe it kind of tests your limits and makes you achieve uh, achieve the best in yourself. Sure, that makes sense. So by limited resources you mean like you're talking about like uh supplies and equipment or thing or was it like learning materials or 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 was it both um both in a way but then again equipment is a bit um especially like even our medical school um, medical college it was one of the first uh, medical colleges in the subcontinent so it was established in 1860 and even after that yeah and we haven't progressed a lot in terms of the equipment we have and in terms of um like the resources the 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 technology and everything that we have so that is a little bit kind of it's it's getting there but it's taking its time to kind of reach where it would be or it is in the western world or in the u.s technically but i believe that that kind of led us to and that's for quite a lot of my colleagues as well who have done medical school from there i believe that that has kind of made us think out of the box have ingenious kind of ways in terms of how we approach different problems and that kind of um, applied as my role as a pathologist assistant as well okay and then your role as a pathologist assistant was that mostly dissecting of specimens or were there other other things you did as well I did. I mean, there was uh, the dissection was there, um, but then we also had to work as an instructor. So we had like medical students coming in. Um, so we had to kind of help them with different histology. Um, we had residents as well with whom we had like sessions. It was the fact that I was learning. So it was kind of a reciprocal role. Okay. Well, I, I guess they say that the best way to learn something is to teach it to someone else or Definitely. something like something like that. <laughs> but did you enjoy the, the teaching aspect at the time? Oh, I did. I've always loved teaching. I mean, that that goes even before medical school. Any chance I used to have, I used to gather all my my, my friends together. Um, and we had like any, any exam coming up, any quiz coming up. I used to kind of have my own like mnemonics and different kinds of uh, graphical descriptions. And like, I love art as well. So I used to like create different figures and everything to help everyone understand. And I believe that my passion for teaching kind of has continued throughout these years. And that, like you said, has helped me learn even more every day. 
Right. Yeah. I like to hear stories about how people have inspired others to, you know, join the pathology field. And at the time when you were teaching medical students, uh, do you have any any stories like that, that you've inspired someone to become a pathologist? Well, we had medical students coming in um, for for their uh, classes, for their rotations as well to us. And um, for me, Pathology is something that has always like shown a light on my face and my whole face kind of starts to gleam whenever I talk about pathology, and especially if I'm teaching it. And that's what I've ins- tried to inspire my students to do as well. Um, coming from Pakistan, there's not that much of um, an understanding of pathology and how um, the fact that how medical students can maybe kind of explore that as a field and maybe pursue that um, for residency in the future. So I believe that when students used to come to me, I tried my best to let get the message across that pathology is actually a very fun field. It's not just like going through books um, and kind of trying to memorize everything. And I did have a couple of students come to me. They were kind of a little bit interested at the start. And then they had like they had to come to us for a couple of months of their rotations. And um, I tried to sit with them. I tried to kind of evaluate their career goals while I was like, like having sessions of um, different uh, topics in pathology. And I was very proud of that by the end of those two months, they were kind of considering a path in pathology later on. And I've been in communication with them even now. And um, I'm very happy about the fact that they've started their residency in pathology. So that's something that's very close to my heart and I'm very proud of. Yeah, you should be. That's great. We definitely need more pathologists, you know, all over the mm-hmm. world, really. So then you spoke earlier how you, uh, when you were younger, you were you lived in the U.S. And then mm-hmm. uh, in 2016 you you actually moved to canada yes and the the first part of that then i'm i'm curious what was it like moving to a completely different country and then what did you what did you expect uh when you got there so um the move that we had in 2016 that was um there were quite uh, some factors that were associated with it i have like uh, lived here i've lived in the u.s but then traveling to canada was kind of like uh, part of the routine because i have family here as well but one of the most important factors was that we were kind of gravitating back towards our family. Most okay. of my like immediate family lives around this uh, around the region. Um, yeah, six seven hours drive from Canada, but uh, very close by. So that was one of the biggest factors. And the second was the fact that I mean I have I had read through all the books of pathology. I was kind of like aware of the different protocols and the different associations in pathology. And the fact that quite a lot of that was centered in the U.S was what stimulated us to kind of have that move, um, kind of getting closer to where pathology is kind of being practiced at at such an advanced level and kind of get to learn more. We did, uh, I mean, the fact that working in Pakistan, I did kind of get an exposure to a quite diverse kind of cases and um, the learning opportunities were amazing, but we wanted to kind of explore. I'm saying we again and again, it was me and my husband that came here, so. Okay. But we wanted to explore kind of the um, more learning opportunities and kind of advance our careers further. Okay. And uh, the second part that you asked me was um, that uh, what were the things that were kind of difficult to get accustomed to? Yes. Um, I would say the first thing was the winter. Um, we have, oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So in Pakistan, we were kind of getting more used to a tropical kind of climate. Um, and then coming here in uh, like 2016 was one of the worst years in terms of the snowstorms we had in Toronto. So that was quite difficult, like bracing ourselves for the winter and kind of getting our snow gear and everything. 
And um, another thing that was kind of um, that it got a little time to get used to was the fact that I would have to kind of recertify myself in terms of giving my USMLE exams. So that was a little bit of a challenge, but I tried and um, I, tried, I got to it as soon as we moved here. I tried to give my exams as soon as I could. And thankfully, I cleared them and did well in them. So that was a relief. Okay. Yeah. I wonder about that first winter. Were there any days where you kind of looked out the window and said, you know what, this isn't for me? <laughs> well, there were days when I looked outside the window and I realized I have to clean all of the driveway and the sidewalk. <laughs> But um, <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, um, we had we, we had moved here for good, so we knew that we have to kind of get used to it and um, just put on. I think it was hard. It's harder to kind of live in a warmer climate because there's not much you can do. But in the cold, I feel that if you bundle up quite a lot, it still becomes bearable. The heat is, I think, more unbearable for us as the cold would be. Hmm. All right. That's that's interesting. <laughs> I'm 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 in Wisconsin, so I I might I might disagree with that, but we'll see. <laughs> Okay. Now you mentioned about recertifying once you got to Canada. And I know you're an instructor at at a school there in Ontario. It's the Ontario IMG School and the IMG that it's International Medical Graduate. Is that is that right? That is right. Can you tell us a little bit about this school and what it does? So this is a licensed school um, that is here, um, that's here in Toronto. Um, we have, um, it's run by um, our, our uh, the CEO of the school is an IMG himself who went through all the pathways and uh, decided to help other international medical graduates who may be coming in and uh, would kind of want to go through the exams. Um, this was established in the early 2000s, so it's kind of been here for quite some time. And it has quite a good repute here in Canada in terms of getting students ready for their exams and getting them into residency. It has basically um, different kinds of sessions. It has sessions for USMLE exams, which I'm kind of involved in. It also has sessions for Canadian exams, which are a bit similar to the U.S. exams um, in terms of what they kind of expect a student to kind of do and study. And we also help students for their uh, for their soft skills in terms of their interviewing skills, in terms of resume building. So it kind of provides students with a comprehensive package to help them prepare to kind of uh, move forward in their career once they move here. Okay. Now, you went to this school when you when you came here. Is that how you got involved with it? I did get it, I get to attend a couple of classes uh, when I came, and I found it very impressive. Um, I mean, they they had uh, classes in different different topics, and there were some that I wanted to kind of get to know more about. So I did get to know about it that way, and I was really impressed. And that kind of um, I reached out to our supervisor, um, the supervisor there, whose name is Dr. Salimi, and um, I showed him my resume and everything, and he decided to get me on board as well. And that has kind of started in 2018, and it's going on up till now. I'm curious about when an international medical graduate comes to North America, is there a lot of, like, do they have to deal with, like, you know, is their education equivalent to the, the way it is here? Is that is that part of the difficulty of it? Or is it, are there other things that are even more difficult than that? Um, I would say the primary part of it is, um, like you said, getting evaluated and um, kind of a um, uh, the, the fact that you have to get your medical degree recognized here by the whatever body you would be kind of um, getting it from. If it's in the U.S., uh, there had, uh, it's a different body. If it's in Canada, it's a different body. But yeah, getting your degree recognized. And then there's a series of exams that you would have to give um, that test your basic knowledge, your 
uh, basic sciences that test your um, medical knowledge in terms of different diseases and also test your patient encounter skills. Um, so you have to kind of go in and interact with patients, take a history and kind of help formulate a diagnosis. So they have different steps in the pathway to kind of gauge your performance as um, as, an, uh, as a graduate of um, US or Canada maybe. And they kind of evaluate you based on that. But then again, there are some other things that students kind of need to work upon. Um, that could be the fact that they need to show some clinical experience from the U.S. They, they need to do any kinds of observerships where they can kind of be working with a physician. Um, they can get involved in research to kind of get to know what um, what are the recent developments in that. And um, if, if they're lucky, maybe they can publish some papers. And that kind of adds to a comprehensive resume that they can then later on send to programs for, let's say, if they're applying for residency, if they're applying for their PhD degrees, whatever they're kind of thinking upon, they need to kind of formulate and co uh, develop a comprehensive resume that is more centered in what they've done in the U.S. and present it forward. Okay. that I didn't realize it would be that like hands-on that you would actually, is there someone like watching you as you're interacting with patients and, and, and things like that? Well, they uh, it depends. Um, they have in some exams they have. Um, it's the patient who gauges how you're doing. They have a checklist. Oh, okay. And then in other exams, uh, particularly in Canadian exams, they have somebody, uh, a physician, who's sitting with you in the room, and they're analyzing how you're interacting with the patient. So it's a bit of both. How long does something like this take? Well, I guess you can't speak to for everyone, but how long would did it take for for you to get all your things in order mm -hmm. i tried to get done with them as soon as i could i mean when i came here i started the biggest exam as for me um and some of most of the students also say that is the usmle step one that is basically mm. testing yeah. most of your basic knowledge in terms of what you had learned in the first and second year of medical college so that get, what takes you way back in your in your uh, education and you have to kind of think those things up so that was basically one of the most difficult exams I had to give when I came here. And fortunately or unfortunately, I was pregnant with our daughter at that time. So I had to kind of um, study for that during that whole time. And before she was born, like around 10 days before she was born, I had to go in and write that exam. And that was, I think, roughly eight to nine hours that I had to sit down in front of a computer and go through that whole exam. Oh, oh wow. So I think that was a hard part for me. But then the other steps kind of went by a little bit faster. I gave the other exams. I recently cleared the last exam in that whole process, which is the USMLE Step 3, which kind of closes the book on the USMLEs. And I've been involved in research um, during that time. So it, it has been going on for quite some time, but I tried to get done with the core exams in roughly one and a half years. Oh, okay. Back to the... the uh... IMG school. So what is your specific mm -hmm. role there? What's kind of your day-to-day your -day activity? So um, at, uh, at the school, we basically have different exam sessions. Uh, we either have, like I mentioned, the different exams that are conducted, uh, the clinical exam in which you interact with patients, or you have the written exam in which you have to kind of um, go through your books and kind of get to know the different things and uh, do multiple choice questions. So we have different sessions running throughout the year in which we have some sessions for this clinical exam, some for the written I primarily uh, um, serve as the pathology instructor. So most of my sessions are on different topics of pathology. And um, I prepare those sessions. And we have normally in non-COVID times, we have like a 20 to 30 number um, student numbers of students of class. 
that kind of comes in a, um, in our um, classroom and uh, we have sessions that range from four hours to six hours every day. And we kind of try to cover um, those topics in terms of um, what students would also want and what are the areas that they would want to discuss more upon. Um, these days, what we're doing is mostly online classes. I do go to the school sometimes and we have like um, the whole webcam and everything that's set up, all the fancy mics and everything. Um, uh, and then we have students that come in online. Most of them are in Canada, some from the U.S., but we also have some students coming, um, calling in from like uh, the Middle East, UAE, some from India, Pakistan that want to give those exams in the near future. And we have these sessions that we do with them. And um, so they're like six hours a day of class. And we have sometimes we have classes once a week. The maximum we go is four days a week. So this goes on for roughly two to three months uh, every cycle until we're done with the course. Were there any students in particular that you felt like you really, like they really needed some help and you were able to really help them and kind of make a difference in their path? Mm -hmm. Well, I have been very fortunate to be um, in, in, in a role where I can help students and kind of being in those shoes for some time, it kind of helps me to understand what they're going through and understand their problems and kind of help them with solutions in that way. Um, we did have a couple of students that came to us a couple of years ago um, that was around in uh, 2018 when I had actually started teaching myself. And um, they were kind of concerned that they were not doing that well in the exams in terms of because we also have mock exams at the end of our sessions in which we gauge students' performance before they write the actual exam so that they know how they're doing and we kind of give them feedback on what are the things they can improve upon. And they were not doing well on, in those exams. Um, and they wanted to kind of discuss with me how they can make their score better. Also considering the fact that pathology is kind of what forms the core of the USMLE Step 1 exam. So having a very thorough knowledge and understanding of pathology is very important to achieve a good score in um, Step 1. So what I did with them is that I kind of sat down after class. I talked to them. What are the ways we can kind of improve their output, improve their performance in the exam? We sometimes uh, had like a couple of sessions during the weekends um, in which I used to go and kind of talk to them and go through the topics that they were kind of struggling on. And I found that that really helped in their overall exam performance. They did really well um, after the mock exam. I found that there was a huge improvement in their actual step score. And that's something that I was really proud of. And um, I've, I'm still in communication with most of my students via email, via like Twitter. And it's wonderful to see how well they're doing in their career, how, how they've progressed after our classes, how they feel that the classes kind of help them in their future careers. They can open up the books even later and kind of use them as reference. So that's a very gratifying experience to know that. Sounds like you have a long history of helping people in, in that way and I think you should be really proud of that. Do you have plans maybe in sometime in the future to become like a pathology professor or something like that yourself? Honestly, I'm not that sure yet in terms of how I would like to kind of shape my future career. I am sure that I would want to kind of move forward in pathology, like after my residency, kind of take some teaching up in one way or the other. I'm not very sure how that would kind of shape. In, over the future. Uh, something that I'm very interested in is kind of using technology to help students learn. 
And that's something I would love to explore more in the future, how that can be helped. Because coming from like um, reading, uh, going through like my books um, in medical school and we uh, in Pakistan, we used to have like out, not not the, the most recent technology in terms of uh, medical education. I felt that that could be a limiting factor for students to kind of um, know their potential. Sometimes when you're given quite a lot more resources, I believe that that can kind of help you think further and kind of broaden your horizons. So that's something that I would love to help students once I'm kind of more further in my career. And I believe that can help me as well. I mean, I love to kind of learn more whenever I'm reading more about things and kind of disseminate that to other people as well. Sure. If there's one thing we've learned from, uh, you know, this year, it's that uh, there's a lot of technology out there and it's not always very easy to to use as far as, you know, online classes or just online communication. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and I imagine that's only going to grow even more in the future. Right. Definitely. We'll get back to our interview with Dr. Kasim right after this. So it's December and depending on what holiday you're celebrating, you might be looking for gift ideas. I'm going to recommend the book, The Queen of All Poisons, and here's why. Not only is it a great book, and of course, Dr. Barbara Jean Magnani was a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, but also a portion of the proceeds from the book goes to support the CAP Foundation's See, Test, and Treat program. Now, if you don't know what this is, the program provides free cancer screening and health education to underserved areas. So these are things like cervical cancer screening and breast cancer screening. And during the month of December, you can enter to win a signed copy of the book from Goodreads, and I'll put a link in the show notes for that. So pick up The Queen of All Poisons, either for yourself or for someone you love. Not only will you be getting a great book, but you'll also be helping those in need. And that's what this time of year is all about. When you're working in pathology and laboratory medicine, there's one thing you always need, good quality scrubs. Well, Dress Up Med has been designing and manufacturing high quality scrubs since 1980. The prices are affordable, the shipping is very fast, and the scrubs have lots of pockets, which I really like. I actually have several sets of these myself. So check out Dress Up Med, and if you use my link in the show notes, you'll be helping to support the show. And now, back to Dr. Syed Kasim on the People of Pathology podcast. Something else I wanted to talk about with you, you recently had an article published in the Pathologist magazine. Mm-hmm. You wrote about how pathology and psychiatry can collaborate, which is an interesting idea. It's something I hadn't thought about before. So I'm curious, what's the origin of, of this idea and the, and the article? Where did that come from? So I did have a chance to, um, during my medical school, to work in um, psychiatry. We had a couple of rotations. Um, and our clerkship rotations were in psychiatry. And I felt that quite a lot of times that the patients that used to come to us, or even the students that were studying psychiatry, um, if they were given a more basic, more kind of basics of understanding what is going on in the minds of a patient or what is going on in terms of the different diagnoses that they're studying about, I believe that that can help them understand and kind of comprehend psychiatry much more um, in, in a way that would be much more easier and kind of make them, if they're thinking about a career in psychiatry later on, that can help them make that decision in a better way. I, for myself, I mean, I love to kind of pose questions to different things that I look around myself and find answers to them, which is also one of the reasons that I came into pathology. 
And I believe pathology mm-hmm. does a wonderful job of providing those answers to whatever disease that we're thinking of or whatever a patient may be presenting with. Let's say if it's a headache, if it's um, shortness of breath, I mean, the pathologists are the one who kind of help to provide answers to the physicians, to the patients. And I believe that link and that kind of that explanation is a little bit missing in psychiatry. And I've seen patients kind of not only have a difficult time understanding their disease, but also their family members not knowing how to kind of navigate through a disease because sometimes they may not be sure of what's going on. And that, that I feel that connection may be missing. And if, if that is kind of more, if it's easier to kind of understand, it would help the patients, it would help the students, it would help the physicians as well. One thing I wanted to ask you though, like why did you, was there a specific reason that you chose pathology over psychiatry? I believe it would still be, again, the answers that I can get because I've always been questioning the different things I see. I've been questioning even things that I know for sure may be right. And I believe that, like I said, pathology has those clear-cut answers. You know, if you're looking at a particular thing under the microscope, you know for sure what it is. And with psychiatry, I felt that those lines were a bit blurred in terms of diagnosing, in terms of treating, in terms of, um, and I mean, that was the case even when I was in my clerkships, it's hard to kind of delineate whether a person is having one diagnosis and not the other, because it's something that's kind of in the minds of the patient. And that is also what sparked this idea in me that if we know what's going on in their minds, if we know the, the classical neurotransmitters that are involved, the pathophysiology that's involved in whatever disease the patient is experiencing, it would be easier for us to diagnose them and for them to be treated as well. Right. Actually, there was a quote that you had in the article, and it said, psychiatrists have claimed that mental diseases are brain diseases, but pathologists have never been able to confirm these claims. Is that, I mean, let me try to paraphrase what you're, Mm -hmm. so you know, in 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 pathology, most of the time, there's something you can you can point to. You can say, say a brain tumor, for example. You can point to it; it's there. You can you can actually see it and look at it. Whereas psychiatry, there isn't really a thing you can you can't look at a brain scan and say, well, it's that; it's there, right there. Right. Is that similar to what you're trying to say? I am, and that that would be technically what I'm I'm trying to do, uh, suggest, but also the fact that. Uh, I mean, I feel that whatever textbooks, uh, I mean, I'm used to kind of going through the basic sciences textbooks for kind of um, when I'm uh, going through the classes with my students. The fact that there's a chapter mm-hmm. in every every part of the books, whether it's uh, neuropathology, whether it is dermatopathology, I do not find much that pathology would kind of explain in terms of mental illness. And I believe that if that is done, I mean, I would not say it is uh, something that the pathologists need to do. I think they would, uh, like I said, the collaboration should be there. I mean, if there is more research, like uh, also like kind of corroborating what you're saying, the fact that if we understand what are the pathways that a disease is kind of progressing towards, that would help us understand what's going on and kind of help treat the patients better too. You mentioned the collaboration part, and I think and, and you said that you know research would be one way pathology and psychiatry could collaborate. I wonder if, like you often have in hospitals, the uh, multidisciplinary conferences where they discuss different cancer cases and things things like that. Do you think that there could be something like that, sort of a patho psychiatry 
conference as, as well to discuss their cases? Would, the, would that be something that, that would help? Definitely. I mean, that's that's one of the things that that's on my mind. The fact that if we have more minds collaborating to, together in terms of whatever goal we're achieving, I think we can achieve better outcomes. And I've kind of had a chance to sit at quite a lot of multidisciplinary meetings in terms of getting to understand the different perspectives every physician has in a patient's disease. And I believe that these meetings kind of achieve the best that we may not be thinking of even when we are sitting alone or if we're sitting with um, the seniors of just our specialty. So having those conversations would be would be key in such collaborations. Can you think about other ways maybe that that we could collaborate with psychiatry? So, I mean, I've had quite a, um, a long background in medical education and um, having worked in that, m- most of my interaction with uh, both these fields, with psychiatry more so, has been with through textbooks. And I think that um, one of the first things that needs to be done is provide some more, um, more concrete kind of information to students in their textbooks in terms of how pathology and uh, psychiatry are kind of interrelated. And that's because I believe that medical students are not much exposed to both these fields, particularly pathology during their medical education. And if that is done so, if if they're aware of what are the avenues that can explore in pathology, I think that will help them make um, a a firmer decision earlier on in terms of whether or not they want to be a pathologist. Because I felt that working with with students and also medical graduates who are thinking of going into residency, if they're thinking of a career in pathology, most of them say that they've not had enough exposure to pathology during their medical school training, except for the fact that, I mean, yeah, we do have our robins, we have our books, but kind of making pathology more fun and giving them more interfaces. And pathology and psychiatry would be one. I mean, we in our books, we just have a couple of lines that tell us what happens in obsessive compulsive disorder or what happens per se in schizophrenia. But kind of going mm-hmm. delving deeply into that, I think would kind of spark more students' interest as well. Because I've kind of served as kind of like quote-unquote counselor for students in, in terms of their career choices at Ontario IMG School. And whenever pathology comes up, they don't know much about it. And maybe having that more uh, more inculcated in their books, in their curriculum can kind of help. And if they're kind of thinking about any uh, a choice, they may be making between psychiatry, pathology, or any other subspecialty. I think that would make them um, get to a decision easier. Sure, sure. That, may, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, last thing I wanted to ask you, I think you mentioned earlier, you know, pathology residency is up next for you. Right. And I, I wonder, this, and this might be a little bit early to, to tell, but have you had any thoughts about subspecialty within the, the field or anything like that? Well, um, with pathology, there are so many things that I am excited about that I'm interested in. I know that sounds mm-hmm. that sounds a bit like, the fact that, I mean, I love pathology so much, why would I not be knowing what is something that I really like about it? But then again, there are so many things that excite me about it. And also the fact that um, serving as an instructor, I've had a chance to um, interact with quite a lot of um, uh, subspecialties in it. I've done a, f- a few rotations in which I've been exposed to some uh, some very interesting fields. I've had interest um, in neuropathology that I've kind of done some research and worked a bit in. 
But um, now I uh, like with my recent experiences, cytopathology is something that I've kind of developed more interest in as well. So those are the two things that I'm kind of weighing in. But then again, I'm looking forward to like doing my residency and then exploring what else is out there. And uh, I never know, I may be picking up something during that time as well. But one thing that I am kind of sure about is that during my residency, I want to kind of explore all that there is out there and then be involved in some research in, in medical education. I mean, those are the two things that I've done during the past few years, and those are very close to my heart. So I want to kind of keep on doing right. them and contribute towards them in the best way I can while training as a pathologist. Dr. Kasim, thank you very much for being here. This has been a very interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Dennis. I mean, I've been listening to the previous podcasts and it's, it's a true honor to be a part of the show. Great big thanks to Dr. Syeda Kasim. Uh, this one was really interesting. I, I really learned a lot from her, so I'm glad she was able to take the time to come on the show. And as always, you can find links to everything we talked about today in the show notes. That's at peoplewithpathology.podbean.com. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at People of Path, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you found this interview interesting, please share it with someone you know. And together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out their other amazing podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast. And now here's a preview of my upcoming interview with Dana Baker. Okay, and you mentioned the mentorship thing, and I know this is something that it's important to you as well as you know promoting the profession. And then you've gone out to high schools and colleges and and speak to students there. Is that is that right? Yes, I've um, actually been doing that virtually now too. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I mean, we got to start early. You know, we don't want to wait for people to get to college to say, hey, you want to learn about medical laboratory science? I mean, it's great to right. do it there too, but you know, we, we want to, you know, target those groups, especially now that STEM is so big and such a focus, mm -hmm. well, STEM and STEAM and K through 12 education. So why not get in front of them? And especially from those teachers, they love it when we come in and speak to their groups or even offer that virtually. Um, because, you know, they're talking about these professions or what, you know, they can do with these skills that they're learning, but it gives them more, um, more tangible application of what they're teaching to these students. So they love it when we come in and present about what we do and the educational path that we took to get there. And I've had uh, some of those students, even, you know, high school students reach out to me on LinkedIn after um, presenting to them. To hear more from Dana, tune in next week on the People of Pathology podcast.